sometimes you just have to write garbage in order to like come up with something cool. What's up, fool? That's my dog. Hey, that fool calm down. And then I told that fool, I said, sock yourself forever, ever. No, bro. I'm really sorry for saying bro. I mean, come on, it's fear mongering. I know clowns. It's all fake. I know what you're up to. All right, maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a fool. Fool. Oh <laughs> yeah, talk full radio. Hey yo, my dogs. Uh, okay, well, I'm gonna have to start this episode out by saying I'm sorry because I've never said the fucking words "hey yo" in my life. I don't know why it just came out. Anyways, what's up? I'm Stephen Lee Clark, the head coach. Uh, I gave myself that nickname, and I'm here with my comrade, the Red Pill. That's my kitty. Uh, she's over there. And uh, what's up? This is a very special episode number 10, right? Why is 10 special? I don't know. Uh, it's an even number. Uh, I have 10 fingers, 10 toes. Oh, uh, it's it seems binary, which is information, right? That's what this podcast is all about. Information. Uh, it rules all digital i don't know uh it's special for me 10 seems like a cool number i'm excited and it's a very special guest it's brian cook who is a really tight human being and i'm really excited to have him on here that's uh it means a lot to me especially as a bass player musician whatever okay so again new talk full streamlined episode every other tuesday right uh i appreciate all the facebook likes okay if you consider yourself a like clapper, go clap the damn like on uh, Talk for Radio. Anyways, that's in the business section. We don't need to talk about that right now. Uh, I just want to say what's up. I missed you. The last episode was great. Everybody was super cool about it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I expect anything different. If you're listening to this, you're a fucking beautiful, wonderful human being with a wonderful mind, right? So, anyways, uh, let's see here. Stephen Lee Clark, what the fuck has he been up to? That's me. Um, well, since we last talked two weeks ago, right? Because I'm on a fucking schedule now, and it feels good. Regularity. Regularity is a good thing, right? It's always good. It's good in every aspect of life. Regularity. Um, I could go a bunch of different ways with that joke, but I'm just going to leave it at that, right? I'm going to leave it to you and your mind, okay? Regularity. Uh, so anyways... Um, what have I been up to? So I played a couple shows. I played, uh, oh, well, this is a very special one. Let me tell you why. Okay. Uh, we played in Atlanta and it was a festival. It was cool. It was all right. I'm usually not a big festival person. Okay. Because, uh, 10 people hanging out with 10 people is a bit much for me. It's a lot. It's a lot. I don't do good in big groups of people, but you know how many people are at a festival? Way more than 10, right? Way more than a hundred. There's like fucking many, many thousands. And, uh, sometimes this festival isn't that bad, but sometimes you don't have a green room. It's fucking bullshit. But, uh, so what was special about this festival? I'll tell you what's special about this festival. Well, first of all, it was in Atlanta. Okay. My mom lives not in Atlanta, but close to Atlanta, right? Kinda. And so I hung out with my mom. Okay. I hang out with my mom any chance I get, you know why? Because she fucking, okay. A, my mom carried me around in her fucking stomach for nine months. Okay. So, uh, if you're not cool to your mom, all you need to do is fucking remember that you dick. Stop being a dick to your mom. Your mom fucking carried your ass around. Anyways, uh, moms are great. 
my mom is really cool, really supportive. Um, she's pretty much me. We're like the same human being, right? So that was fun. Hung out with my mom. We went to the aquarium in Atlanta. Uh, and while I'm a big, I, I really am I'm really against keeping animals in any sort of confinement, right? Uh, you know, I was there and my mom wanted to go. So I was like, fuck, let's go. Okay. So uh, what did I see at the aquarium? All right. I saw a bunch of cool shit, right? I saw and, and among the coolest, okay, there was Cuttlefish, who I'm c- convinced, right? I'm convinced that if Cuttlefish and Squid and Arthropods, uh, c- Cephalopods, Cephalopods, uh, Squid, Cuttlefish, Octopus, whatever. So I'm convinced that if they lived as long as we did, right, they would be the dominant species of this planet, right? Because they're super fucking smart. Okay, and this little observation on my part, right? I walked through the whole aquarium, okay? I was pretty fucking dumbfounded. Everything was beautiful, right? But what did I notice when I went to the cuttlefish tank? Okay, the cuttlefish tank was the only animal, right? Where there's a bunch of people looking in at the tank, right? And what were the cuttlefish doing? They were lined up at the glass looking straight back at the people. And they're like, what the fuck? And they were just looking back at you. And they're studying you. And they were just like, it was weird. They weren't going about their business, doing their own thing. They were, they were looking back right at us. And there was one cuttlefish that was looking straight at me, straight into my eyes. And I swear, I'm not joking, right? When I was a kid, right? When I was a kid, I used to sit in my room and I would stare at an object, right? And I would seriously strain my brain and try to move that object, right? I swear, anything. And and if it would have slid over a half an inch, I would have fucking cried with joy, right? Uh, But it never did. But I'm also not convinced that I can't do that one day, right? I don't know. But, uh, you know, with practice and, and, and persistence, anything's possible. But, okay, the cuttlefish, right? I was projecting, I was, I was throwing these thoughts at this codfish, and I was saying, like, like you know, like, what's up, dog? Uh, what's up with you? I'm really sorry that you're in that little tank, right? You should be in the world's biggest tank, the fucking ocean, right? That's where you should be. Okay. Anyways, uh, all that being said, I don't know if it worked. Didn't really say shit. Uh, changed colors, which I think is how they communicate. So maybe it did work. I don't know. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna say it did work. It did work. Okay. So I projected thoughts at the cuttlefish, and it projected thoughts back at me. Okay. Uh, and we had a long conversation. He was like, "Get me the fuck out of here," and I was like, "You know what? I'm working on it. I'll be back." Anyways, from the cuttlefish. Okay. After. That was one of the coolest things I've ever seen because cuttlefish are fucking amazing, all right? So what was cooler than that? Not cooler, right? It's not a competition. But what was just as cool as that? Whale sharks, okay? I saw three of them. It blew my mind. It blew my mind, okay? It was a gigantic tank, right? Okay, that being said, it's not big enough, okay? Free the whale sharks is fucking bullshit. Anyways, they were swimming along, uh, very majestic, very beautiful, right? And all it was making me think was, honestly, man, I was just like, dude, the ocean is fucking terrifying. I don't know. All I was thinking was just, like, being in the ocean, and it's all murky or whatever, and, like, you see this dark shadow coming at you, right? And I don't know. I was My imagination was going crazy, and I was like, jeez, dude, the ocean's so big and scary. Okay, so that was cool. 
But what was the highlight of that entire weekend? I will tell you. I will tell you what the highlight was, okay? Because that's what we're here for. Me and you were talking. Uh, A little band called Thursday played, right? And I don't know about you, right? But I am a fucking huge Thursday fan. When I was fucking 15, you know what I was doing? Crying to Thursday. They're amazing. Everything's good. I was sitting in my room like, fat. Nobody likes me. Uh, but I love Thursday. Okay. So that was special for me. I saw them. That was actually the first time I've ever seen them. Uh, yeah, I know whatever. When I was, you know, when I was a kid, it was hard for me to go to shows, right? I didn't know that many people that liked cool shit. Uh, only one fool I knew David Alexander. Uh, that's my dog. He was cool as fuck. We listened to a lot of cool shit together. Um, anyways, Thursday was amazing. Uh, you know, and, and anytime a band plays from your, I want to say childhood, but it wasn't that long ago. Right. So, but you know what I mean? Anytime a band plays, that means that fucking much to you. And it's been a long time since they played, right? You, you, you naturally, you wonder and you hope that it's going to be, uh, good. Right. And let me tell you something Thursday. It's, they didn't fucking miss a beat right? Everything was amazing. Everybody killed it, right? And dude, I was sitting in the back. I was standing in the back and I was just like, man, you know, singing along. Okay. I haven't sang along with the band in fucking, I don't even know how long, right? Uh, it takes a lot, but I sang along. I had a lot of fun, uh, and they sounded immaculate. right. So that meant a lot to me. Um, it was very fun. Shouts to those guys. Thank you for doing that. Okay. Uh, so what else did I do? We played a show over the big drip, right? We played a show in Trondheim, Norway. And let me tell you, upon entrance, right, upon my aerial entrance into Trondheim, I was like, dude, this is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen, right? It was endless rolling hills of forest with lakes scattered everywhere. I was like, dude, I want to live here. Uh, I'm going to move there now. Okay. Uh, probably the 17th time I've used that joke, but Hey, whatever. Uh, it's really cool place. I will say this. I was a little thrown off. It was like, you know, I love everybody in the world. Right. But it was like a white person paradise. Okay. It was like Disneyland. There was no fucking rules. Right. Disneyland has no rules. Right. So that's what this was. You know, it was okay. What did I see? I saw fools walking around. Okay. I have a question for you. I want someone from Trondheim to email me, right? Talkfulradio, gmail.com. Because I noticed there was fools walking around in togas, okay? And it was confusing the shit out of me. And I was like, okay, is this, this fool does not look like he's on his way to a party. This fool, like one of the fools had a fucking briefcase in his hand. He's just walking down the street, like going to work or some shit. I was like, what the fuck? Why is this fool wearing a toga? Uh, so I'm asking you, uh, is that a thing? Because that's fucking weird. I mean, whatever, to each their own. And I, if you think it's cool, you know what? I think it's cool that you think it's cool. So, But I'm just genuinely curious. Do people wear togas in Trondheim? It wouldn't surprise me because, you know what? I, it's, again, no rules. Paradise, right? Uh, I saw fools medieval sword fighting, and I couldn't help. I was like, dude, these fools have lost their mind. But, you know, whatever. That must be nice to lose your mind and just not give a fuck. And fucking medieval sword fight, right? 
Uh, that was cool. I saw. I okay. I okay. This was when it was a bit much for me. I literally saw like on a grassy hill. I literally saw a circle of people like giggling and like frolicking and chasing each other around and and with like flowers in their hair and shit. And I was like, man, these motherfuckers need some struggle in their life. They need some fucking famine or something. I don't know. Anyways, Norway is wonderful. It's really beautiful. One of my favorite places I've ever been. Um, but I was, yeah, you know, I was a little thrown off by that. You know, okay, so if you live in Trondheim, uh, remember that I started this whole thing off with how beautiful your city is and your country. Shit. And just let me know, okay? Do people wear togas there? Is that really a thing? Because uh, I'm confused. But you know what? Trondheim was amazing. Uh so what else field agent played a show and um let me tell you it was a very special show it was a very wonderful show you know why i'll tell you why uh because i know you're curious uh it was a very special show because it was a show with a couple of my best friends and they are wreck and reference right they were kind enough to let me play the show uh it was it was field agent wreck and reference some ember who were fucking awesome and uh, Sonhet, who I'm trying to get on here, too. Uh, a bunch of friends. It was a really wonderful show. But let me tell you something, okay? And this ties in to what me and Blackie were talking about on the last, last episode, right? I was watching Wreck and Reference play. A, they get better and better and better. I've literally seen them. Literally, I have a, I have a counter. And the counter says that I've seen them one million times, right? Because we went on tour together. And they're just an amazing band, so I catch them every single time I can. Uh, but it was really making me think so much about what me and Blackie were talking about before. And and it really led me to this like huge internal dialogue about art. So I was watching Wreck and Reference, and I was like, dude, okay, I, I love this band. I love this band so much. They are it's like a gift of untainted like uncompromised art from them to me this is what art means it is two people that are genuinely like projecting their feelings their thoughts their outlook on everything and in in this well-packaged like really talented form okay and to me, it's like, I, you know, I don't speak for them in any way, but to me, it's like this band has, they, they don't, in, in, I'm doing air quotes now, but it's like they don't play ball, right? So they don't conform to like what everybody wants in a band, right? And, and that mentality, I know you guys know this about me, but that mentality is what means so much to me, right? Uh, and you know what? There is artists who play ball, i.e. conform and do what they're supposed to do. And, and, and there's artists that don't, right? And there's artists that make art for themselves because they enjoy the process. They enjoy the process. I've said this a million times. Enjoying the process is what really matters, right? And I, Stephen Lee Clark, again, I don't speak for anybody else, but Stephen Lee Clark, I think that that's where success comes from, right? So what is success? I don't even know. Success, is it getting paid? Uh, 
in some people's eyes it is is it being happy that's what i think is it avoiding depression that's what i think is it being fulfilled in your own life that's what i think okay that's that's what stephen lee clark thinks the head coach uh and the red pill so i don't think an artist is supposed to do anything that they don't want to right but in a universal matter I think an artist should fucking struggle, right? I think an artist should be bummed out at a certain time. I think artists should be sleeping on floors, right? For at least a period of time, you know, because that's what an artist is, right? Uh, there's a struggle that comes along with art that sets us apart from other people, right? That's what makes you an artist. And let me tell you, Stephen Lee Clark, me, I think that's beautiful, right if you are sitting with your head in your hands like my life fucking sucks why did i choose this that moment is beautiful right it's a wonderful thing it's it's wonderful that that exists because that is only happening because you are not some fucking uh like band that a production company put together and said you know what this is going to succeed right off the bat you know why because that's fucking bullshit it's hollow it's non-existent to me in my reality that doesn't exist sure they have a couple songs i like nsync right uh bye 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 was a fucking slap i like that band but yeah i know what it is i know it's bullshit i know that right but what do i think as an artist what do i think is real struggle not that record reference is struggling at all but this is what it made me think of this is what like a band that ref and that show was amazing there was just a bunch of people there it was great right so in a lot of people's eyes that's a successful show a successful band but i was looking at them and i was like these fucking people refuse to conform they're doing what they want to do right and that is a beautiful thing right so if you're out there and if you're like man this is hard this fucking sucks uh just stop and think for a second like you know what this is what i'm this is what i'm supposed to be doing you know why because anybody can get a job at any fucking corporation and you know what's in that safety you know what's in that like a guaranteed future all you have to do is show up every fucking day don't be late too many times you can even be late like don't even don't be late too many times you know what if you do the same thing for 20 years you know what's going to happen you're going to move up you're going to succeed you're going to be able to get a house but you know what you're not doing right and i'm not talking shit to those people but i'm saying as for me in my opinion as an artist like artists like i said in the interview with blackie you create something that wasn't there before, right? It didn't exist before you made it. And that's such a crazy, incredible thought to me, right? It was, you know where it started? In your brain. And you know what your brain is doing? It's shooting off these little signals and fucking, you know, receptors that are, that are putting together this, like, this thing that didn't exist and you know once your brain it, brains are, are magical and mystical to me because you know what if it exists as a thought in your brain it automatically it, it does exist in the universe that's where it was generated right and that's a fucking mystery to me i don't understand it uh if you understand it email me and tell me about it because that sounds sick right it's so tight that we have this fucking glob of matter in our heads where we can create something, right? That's super cool. And what are artists? They take that creation, because everybody does that, but artists take that creation and they move it outside of the brain. And it's fucking crazy, right? So shouts to Reckon Reference, shouts to 
every, shouts to Blackie. Shouts to fucking every artist that does that because you know what? It's amazing. But you know what else is beautiful? Just succeeding, man. Just being able to to make your way through life on your art. And you know what? That does not. It. it, it some people get that given to them, but most of the people that I've met in my life work fucking really hard for that. You know what I'm saying? And and shouts to all of them. And you know what? It's funny because because. You're you're struggling. You're you're laying on floors. You're sleeping on floors. You're sleeping in shitty apartments where fucking six feet of pizza boxes in the corner of the kitchen. Right? True story. Um, and you know what? That's a beautiful thing. And then when you get out of that, you're gonna have fucking crap fools uh, that have never met you be like, oh, that motherfucker's never struggled. Right? So you know what? Nobody. You know that's why in this life as an artist, all I want, all Stephen Lee Clark wants you to do is care about you. Right, because that'll make your art genuine. I want you to do what makes you happy. I don't even know why I went on this rant, but that's what Reckon Reference made me feel. Okay, and I think it's beautiful. They're awesome. You're awesome, right? Because what are you doing? You're supporting me by listening to this shit, right? I have a fuck. I'm, I'm broke as fuck all the time. Music doesn't make you money. You know what I'm saying? Come on. But uh, it's all about being happy, right? So fuck yeah. Uh, I support all you artists and that's what I'm trying to do my small part by interviewing people that are interesting, interviewing people that are doing their fucking cool shit. Right. And I love them. And you know who else I love? I love you. And, and I don't throw that word around. I care about you. Me and you, we're cool. We're on level. We're like, you, you know what? Right now I'm projecting my thoughts to you and you're the cuttlefish, right? You're, you're changing colors. You're projecting your thoughts back to me. And we have this wonderful connection, right? Uh, in the universe um and yeah i'm not even a hippie or anything i just believe in universal connections it's a beautiful thing anyways okay and, and you know what i speaking of supporting and speaking of sending wonderful projections of love uh i'm gonna make it a point if anybody ever shouts out to talk full uh when i'm playing a show anywhere or not even shout i don't mean shout if you come up and say that you love the show, whatever. I'm gonna try to say what's up to you on here. I really appreciate that shit. It makes me feel warm and like happy and tear up and shit, right? So uh, when I was in Atlanta, this fool just came straight up to me as soon as I got out the damn car and he was like, hey, talk for radio, bro, I love your shit. And I was like, dude, thank you, man. That was Muhammad Abbasi. And you know what, Muhammad? You're fucking tight. I really appreciate that. So yeah, man, that's all about the love, dude. And it's cool as fuck. Uh, I really appreciate all of you. It's a wonderful life. So, uh, speaking of support, this is the business section, right? So, uh, I would first off love to thank everybody for clapping the like again uh, on the Facebook. You can find Talkful Radio on Facebook. Uh, you can find on Twitter, Talkful Radio, Talkful SLC, right? Uh, again, I said this last time, again we are on we and i say we this is our podcast right me and you cuttlefish humans fucking whale sharks elephants everything right it's all of our podcasts right so we're on itunes we're on stitcher and we're on tuned in so what you should do i do it i still do it i go and i download and i subscribe because those motherfuckers look at that and they see how many people are downloading and subscribing right uh and yeah i would really appreciate it uh, everybody would really appreciate it because it's our podcast, right? Um, I have the website, talkfulradio.com. You can go check that out. Uh, there's a little bit about myself. There's a little bit about the people that are on here. Um, there's going to be t-shirts on there pretty soon. There's going to be coffee cups. There's going to be a lot of shit. 
So it's all coming. Okay, the website, uh, it was a long road to get that. And I really appreciate the help from Katie and the people that helped, like everybody that's helping everything, right? So uh, at the bottom of the website, there's links to all the stuff. There's links to the Facebook, there's links to the Twitter, there's links to the fucking iTunes, whatever. Uh, there's also a donate button. So again, I know that you guys are regular listeners, right? Because you guys are fucking awesome. But uh, yeah, donations. So if you donate to Talk for Radio, you will be in the credits. You will be mentioned at the end of the show. And it is a genuine credit as a producer because IRL in real life right? You're a producer. You're a producer of Talkful Radio, and that is real. You can put it on your fucking LinkedIn. You can say Talkful. I don't even have a LinkedIn, or maybe I do. I don't know, but I want one because it's like seems really legit, right? But yeah, you can put that you're a podcast producer. You can put Talkful Radio. There's going to be credits to back it up. It's in the show notes. And yeah, I... Uh, as a human and as the host and head coach of Talkful Radio, I really fucking appreciate that, right? So that's cool. Uh, another thing you can do is you can go on iTunes, and a few people have done this, and I really, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you guys because it really means a lot. You can rate and review pod, uh, the podcast, right? You can rate and review Talkful. So if you love it, uh, say how much you love it, right? If you hate it, that's cool, man. You know, me and you, we're cool. We're cool anyways. I don't care. Speak your mind. But I love you. Just remember that. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. That's Stephen Lee Clark, the head coach. And from the bottom of the Red Pills heart, right? Because she loves it too. Uh, she has a little talk full t-shirt on right now. And that's not true, but I'm going to make one for her, okay? Uh, I'll send you pics. All right. Our guest today uh, is a very special human, right? He's a human and he's... Definitely, uh, there's there's what like 7.4 billion humans on this planet, right? And he is a special one, very special. Uh, he's been in amazing bands forever. I've listened to this person for way longer than I've known him, and that's why it's really it was really amazing if, if for me to get him on here. I was really excited. It meant a lot to me. Uh, he's been in bands such as Botch, uh, Russian Circles, and Sumac. All this cool shit. The author of Second Chair is meant for you. Author. Listen to that word. That's crazy, right? Fuck. Uh, so, yeah. He's an amazing human being. It was a really big deal for me uh, as a artist uh, and an aspiring good human. He's an inspiration, all right? So... I really, really hope you enjoy my interview with the legendary Brian Cook, okay? Tight. Brian Cook, how's it going, dude? Good, man. How are you doing? I am great. I'm great. Very, uh, as you are one of the few people that understand, very busy. <laughs> Not really here. Um, you said you just got back, right? Not too long ago from a Sumac thing? Yeah, yeah. We did our first uh, European tour. Uh, it was 10 shows a couple weeks ago. So. Oh, my God. A 10-show Euro tour sounds amazing. 
Does it? I don't know. Because it, it's like it takes me ten days just to get over the time difference. Oh, really? To get re reacclimated, but yeah, I guess I guess I would be the guy that's like I'm not gonna acclimate to this time, you yeah. know, and try to just get home. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a lot easier for me to do that now because I'll just like wake up, go play a show, and then go back to the hotel or something. I'm like totally that guy now. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then you leave soon, right? You leave again soon? Yeah, I leave Wednesday. Let me do a Sumac does a an East Coast Midwest run. Wow, um, that's cool. Um, well, that's great, man. I really appreciate you doing this. So, give me a little history on yourself and music. Like, you grew up in Seattle? I grew up in Hawaii, actually. Oh, whoa. Yeah, yeah, Damn, uh, that's cool. Military kid. So, uh, I was a fortunate military kid because, you know, a lot of military families get shuffled around every two or three years. Um, and that happened when I was really young, but then when I was five, we got stationed in Hawaii and we were there from the time I was five until I was 15. So, Damn, that's cool. Where in Hawaii? Uh, on Oahu. Oh, okay. So my dad was, was in the army. So nice. he was stationed out there for 10 years. And so, you know, started kindergarten out there, went through first year of high school, then, then moved to Washington to, to the fort out there. And then, yeah. And then lived in Washington from the time I was 15 until I was 35. And then now I live in Brooklyn. That's tight. What was like, uh, I was, it's really funny. I was just talking to my friend Mike about like both of our like entrances into like playing bass and, uh, his mind was funny. I like saw this like new metal band at like a community center and that was like, that's so sick. This guy was like thrashing <laughs> around and shit. And his was funny because he didn't know, like, his teacher asked him, like, what are you getting for Christmas? And he didn't know because his parents weren't, like, Christmas people. And so he just lied and said a bass guitar. And he was like, uh, a bass guitar. And then, like, apparently his, that got back to his dad. And his dad got it for him. Anyways. <laughs> uh, so what was your, like, entrance into bass? Did you start with, like, a guitar and then move to that? Or did you, like, was that your first thing? What did you do? Uh, well, I was really into... I mean, I, I was really into music, but music to me was something that was really, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess like a lot of people, music seemed like something that was really unobtainable. It's like you had to be a prodigy or you had to be like really attractive or like a really good dancer or something, you know? Yeah. In the eighties, it was just like all that stuff just seemed like it was for beautiful people that were incredibly skilled and I, I didn't have like that kind of discipline or self-confidence. Uh, so I got, I just got really into skateboarding and, uh, I was really terrible at it, but had this, this <laughs> dream of being like a professional skateboarder, even though I couldn't like land a kickflip. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I was into music and then, you know, skateboarding was always, or at least in that era, it was, you know, so intertwined with like the punk scene. Totally. I remember watching like, uh, was it 411 videos? That was like the video magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. and they were like, Descendants were in like, I always heard the Descendants on skate videos. I don't know. I was like, dude, very tight. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that was, you know, in Hawaii, there wasn't a lot of information on punk bands. So a lot of, a lot of it was finding about bands through skate videos or finding out about bands because, you know, you'd buy like a Dinosaur Junior record on SST and it'd come with the SST catalog and you just like, yeah. Buy anything on the catalog that looked cool. So it's that's tight. That was my that was my entrance into 
into music and then again I was just like not a confident person and I was I'm left-handed so the idea of getting like a left-handed instrument seemed impossible yeah why so I figured bass was probably the easiest thing um, so I literally just picked it because I figured it was easy yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was like a what was a young Brian Cook like what were you listening to in Hawaii back then uh, I don't know there was such limited uh, access to information you know yeah not, not to be the old guy that like talks about how tough it used to be but it was you know I didn't even know what a zine was there wasn't you know, internet, yeah. so it was just like I had a pretty cool record store in my town that I could go to that and talk to people about music at. I think maybe that's part of the reason I'm still kind of a Luddite in terms of loving record stores and things like that. Yeah. Was, you know, for me, it really was a lifeline. Uh, but it was just like anything that seemed sort of countercultural was really appealing to me. So like, it was a lot of punk stuff, but it's just like super random, you know, it was like, I'd buy a crass record, even though I didn't understand yeah. how crass qualified as music. Yeah. I was like, I guess I have to like crass because it's punk, you know. Same thing with Minutemen, who are you know, probably my favorite band. But the first time I heard them, I was like, I don't understand why people like this. Yeah. There's nothing about it makes sense. There's no, like, melody or, you know, like, no parts repeat. You know, the songs are a minute and a half long. Uh which is so tight, dude. I'm so into that. Yeah, but yeah, just something about that sheer will of trying to decipher something and trying to find, like, trying to find the hidden code in it, where it's like, why do people like this? And then when you finally figure it out, it's like, you know, this, this cryptogram, and you're like, holy shit, like, now I understand why this is awesome. And then you feel so much more invested in it because you had to, like, crack that code. Yeah. And that was way more satisfying than, you know, fucking whatever was on MTV at the time. Absolutely. I mean, I'm. You're not that much older than I am, and I, dude, I totally remember my main way it was like someone gave me like a Poison the Well record when I was at school, and then I looked at like the bands we would like to thank, and then yeah, I would yeah. buy every single thing that was in there. Yep, thanks lists were always huge. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, it was. In some ways, I, I mean, I had a lot of terrible tastes as a teenager. You know, I had no shortage <laughs> of like like bad third wave ska that yeah you know i somehow latched onto but you know i mean i don't believe just, anybody that says they didn't have terrible taste when they were a kid though. yeah yeah but there's still like weird things where it's like oh i can i was listening to neurosis at 14 literally because it was yeah, just cool on an alternative tentacles compilation and it's like i'll go out and buy that you know yeah like some early industrial stuff like not not like anything as cool as like throbbing gristle but like listening to something like Nitzarev just because I saw it on MTV and like oh, that's sick I'll buy a Nitzarev record like that that seems fucked up and weird yeah I mean I was the same way like I was super into like Poison the Well and shit like that and then I remember someone came up to me someone's like older brother was like making fun of me for liking music that they scream in and I was just like I don't know, man. I think it's cool. And then he was like, well, you'd probably think this is cool then. And gave me a, a Nile record as like a joke. Uh -huh. And he was like, and I, I listened to it and I was like, this is the tightest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> this is like the most brutal thing I've ever heard. And then that like set me on this weird path of like, like 
I mean, I was one of those like absolutes kid. Like I thought in absolutes. So once I heard now, I was like, if it's not like crushing, like I don't fucking care about it. And I was like, dude, now that I'm older, luckily I, I grew out about that. But yeah, it was like shit like that was super funny. And now, I mean, yeah, it's like, I remember when AOL first came out and I remember being like, I mean, and also my entrance into the internet was like way late because I was just not technically yeah, same good. Yeah. yeah. And so I remember like even my dad had uh, AOL in the house and I did I, I never used it. I never used the internet until I left home and like all this shit. My dad actually put me in a computer class when I was like four it, or I mean when I was in fourth grade and it was an after school program maybe younger actually and uh i used to look at the computer and then look at all the kids that were doing shit around me and i just started crying and i was like i can't i can't do this and i would just cry because every, like the kid next to me would be drawing like a, a sick picture on like microsoft paint or something and i would just start crying and my teacher was like dude he can't be in this class and i was like yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't have an email address until I had to have one for a college course, like my third year of college. And I was like, "Why do I want? I don't want fucking email." Like, yeah. Like I don't want to have to. I don't want to open that fucking Pandora's box. Yeah, I just want a real mail. Uh, yeah, That's yeah. all I wanted. So yeah, on the topic, like we were saying, I remember when I like I didn't have a cell phone until like way after I graduated high school. I didn't have any of that shit. I remember life way before smartphones. Um, I remember I used to have this like address book with all my friends' phone numbers that I kept in the same pocket for like years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for someone like me and you, and especially for you, because you've been on both sides of it, like what was it like touring with no GPS, with no smartphone, with no internet in your pocket? And I'm sure I could think of a lot of like, cons but was there anything that you like miss about that era uh that's kind of tough to say because in that era i also wasn't i was a straight edge kid yeah and i was super fucking poor <laughs> and so when i think back to those days i was really excited about it just because it still seemed like this crazy adventure to go on tour but i, I just remember always being so super stressed out and anxious just because if anything went wrong you were just stranded in the middle of nowhere like you're missing yeah. a show if yeah. like anything small goes wrong it's, yeah that's so crazy i remember like the first time botch went to europe i remember we had to a lot like an extra hour and a half for every drive just because we knew we'd get into the city center and then just like driving circles for an hour and a half trying <laughs> to find the club just because there wasn't gps and you know the maps were you know, inadequate and, you know, depending on where you are, you can't just like pull over and ask somebody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And nothing, you know, no European city is built on a grid. It's all yeah. like built off of roads from, you know, five centuries ago or something. Weird circles and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't want to glamorize it. It was, it was pretty, pretty stressful actually. Like that, that gives me anxiety just thinking about it. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's because I've never lived in that, like, Okay, we got to get this done. We have to figure it out uh, with no internet. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but yeah, at the same time, man, those like that first European tour was still one of my favorite tours I've ever been on because it was such, it was like cinematic almost. Like, yeah, it was just like there's so much like emotion wrapped into it because there's so much 
stress and like so much adversity and at the same time it was like being in Europe for the first time and feeling like such a sense of accomplishment with that yeah that you know the next tour I went on in Europe was on a nightliner and it was the shows were better you know it was super comfortable like but every day was the same where you just like woke up outside of the club and yeah. loaded in and yeah. didn't see anything and yeah like one day melted into another and it was really depressing you know the the hard tour was way more fun and I have way more fond memories of it than a comfortable tour with no stress it is so I've, I've thought about that it's so crazy how I mean I guess it's just anything in life but you just get used to this like honestly really amazing like lifestyle that we live yeah, yeah. and I was thinking about that too when like my first time in Europe, I was up super early every day just, like, looking at buildings. Like, I can't believe I'm here. Like, this is so crazy. And it's so insane to just be like, man, I really wish I was staying home right now, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I Sometimes I feel accomplished that I'm experienced enough to feel like that. But also, at the same time, it's like, the first, like, just the first west coast tour i ever did where it was like a van with no air conditioner and like no bench seats like but you're having the most fun yeah yeah is like man i do miss that feeling a lot dude yeah i feel like that's you know i feel like every time we go on tour i want there to be a new city involved you know and in the states that's pretty hard but in europe i feel like it's more attainable because you know, it's nice to always go into London and know you're going to have a cool show or go into Berlin and know it's going to be a good show, but it's, I don't know, it's so much more exciting to, like, roll into Serbia and be like, what's, dude, what's I Serbia going to be like? Well, we're we're going to find out. I know. I we Dude, we were talking about, like, Balkans, like, doing shows in the Balkans, and yeah. I was, dude, I would, like, absolutely love that. That would be so sick. I mean, and I'm sure it'd be, like, I mean, I don't know, but it, it feels like it'd be like 150 people there, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And that sounds like super cool to me. Yeah, we're doing a couple of Romanian shows. We're doing Bulgaria. We're doing Damn. Macedonia and all these places where I'm just like, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't anticipate them being like well organized or like even particularly well attended, but those are the shows I'm more excited about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah, like you said, like, London's going to be cool. We know that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, it, uh, France, Paris is going to be cool. It's always cool. Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah, you're right. That's totally cool. I think that maybe that ties into it, like, because those first tours for me was, like, in a power violence band where if 20 people were there, you're like, man, this is going to be sick, you know? And, like, <laughs> and, and now that you're in a band that you, like, see people talking about online, you're just like, okay, uh, their mystery is gone, you yeah. know? It's like a relationship that you've been in for, like, 30 years when people say they, like, lose the mystery and, like, the romance, you know? Yeah, you have to, you have to fight to keep things fresh, man. Yeah. You know? and- the new city thing is, like, a really good uh, idea, like, outlook. That's a really good idea. yeah, yeah. That's cool. Um, like as much as you tour and like as much as I tour, I know that touring was a big reason that I started like an electronic project because I was like, how can I like be productive in the back of a van? Yeah. How can I use like a computer and, and create something uh, on these eight hour drives every day? You know, uh, was there anything that like or like what do you what are some of the things that you do to like 
kind of just keep your sanity on tour or just occupy your mind? Well, in the States, I do a lot of the driving just because, uh, I mean, for one thing, it just helps me from being bored. And, you know, usually the driver picks the music, so it's, yeah. You know, I'll just sit and listen to music for five hours, and that's fine. Uh, I think a lot of that also stems from, like, prior bands that I was in where I didn't trust the other people in the in the band to drive safely. Dude. And it was just like, well, I can either sit in in the back and just feel completely out of control with the situation and worry that either someone was, you know, going to blow out the transmission because they were driving so aggressively or yeah. they were going to get hit by a car and not be able to relax or focus or do anything because I was so nervous or I can just drive and then at least I don't worry about us dying or getting totally. hit and So that was a lot of it. Now with, with Russian circles, you know, I, I don't have that issue, but now I'm just sort of in the habit of doing that. So. Yeah, I, I found that I like that too. Like we always have a driver, and, but when I moved here from LA, I was like, dude, I really... I actually like like driving when it's not in traffic in LA. Like when you're just out doing it, yeah, it's a good way. Yeah, it's a good way to kill like six hours, you yeah, know, yeah. or something like that. That's cool. Are you like a big reader on tour, like do you, or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. When when we're in other places, like we're in Europe or something, and we have someone else doing the driving, then uh, then yeah, I do a lot of reading. That's uh, cool. Or a lot of sleeping, you know, while I'm trying to. Uh, get acclimated to the time zone change but Europe freaks me out now because I get crazy fucking sleep paralysis whoa in the in the van when I'm on in Europe yeah that's the only time I've ever had sleep paralysis was in the in the, in the bed yep. yeah yep. yeah that's the way I am that's like whoa and it's terrifying I don't have you know people talk about uh, having these like shadowy figures around them and I don't have that kind of thing but I always end up like cocking my head in some way where it's really difficult to breathe and then I can't wake up all the way and move to like readjust myself so yeah. I feel like I'm suffocating slowly Whoa. Like, paralyzed and unable to do anything about it and then you know I try to scream to like wake myself up or at least wake <laughs> someone else up so they jostle me yeah help you can't scream and yeah yeah it's terrifying so. I remember yeah I remember we were uh, I think it was like Budapest or yeah, I think it was Budapest. We were like, I was in the back of the van, and I was dreaming that like all our friends from home were in the band. I mean, in the van, and I was like hearing everybody have like the most fun down there. And I was like, dude, I want to have fun. I want to have fun so bad. And I was like trying to jerk myself awake, and I was just like, li- literally, I could. I was like, my muscles were tense, and like my neck was hurting, and I could not wake yeah, up. Yeah. It was so crazy. And that's so, that's interesting because that was the only place I've ever had that. Um, And this other thing happens to me in the van where I'll be awake and I'll be like drifting into sleep. And there's a split second where I can feel how fast we're going. Like, uh, Like, I'll be almost asleep and I'll just be like, my body will feel like we're going like 70 miles an hour. And then I just like jerk awake, like what the fuck? Like this is so crazy. And yeah, I'm a bad sleeper in the van, dude. And as far as the other thing you were talking about, about just like trusting someone else to drive, dude, I like in the U S we'd have this 15 passenger van 
and we would sleep like on the floor in in like some one person would get a bench floor bench floor and when it was my turn for the floor i would just like lay on the floor and look over at the bracket of the seat like holding the seat into like into the floor of the van and it was like right at my neck and i would just look at it like fuck man there's there's nothing i can do about this like please don't crash dude like please don't crash See, I kind of like the floor because I was like, if the van flips, I feel like I'm less likely to get thrown. Yeah, like, that's might, true. I might get like pinned, you know, or trapped, but like, I won't go through a window. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah, those are harsh, harsh realities. To Dude, it's so crazy. You're just like hand. You're like handing your life to this fool. We ha- in Europe, our first time in Europe together. Like, we had this dude that was like. <laughs> 6 a.m. in the van, like blasting gore grind, like we're gonna like a punk, like punk as fuck guy like that. One time he like slammed on the brakes, and all of us flew from that that bed on the top uh-huh. forward. All three, like there's three of us stacked up there, and we all flew off of it. And for one split second, I got like super mad. I was like, "What the fuck, dude?" And then really quickly, I was like, oh, you might have just saved my life. So, okay, sorry. Thank you. Yeah. Super funny, dude. It's like such a crazy, uh, like, position to be in. And it's something that we deal with all the time. All the time. All the time. It's so funny. Well, I guess touring, we talk about that a lot on this show, especially. One thing I was wondering from you and – I've always known this like from from botch on and I and I've I felt like the evolution a little bit just from like a listener's fan standpoint but now especially for like Russian circles I can hear your bass tone and be like I know that bass tone you know <laughs> and I think that's cool uh and mine is like I feel like I'm kind of consistent but it's like it's a little bit all over the place just cuz I always want to switch it up and I always get into different different things um, but what was like a evolution of like, not so much like you don't have to go through your gear, but like, what do you think was like a, a big part of your tone as you like progress through these bands and like what equipment sticks out to you in your mind and like, what do you still like to use and stuff like that? Uh, I feel like I was really inept about all that stuff. You know, really? I, I knew what I thought sounded cool when I was when I was younger. Like I, I definitely had, you know, bands where I was like, "Oh man, Snapcase! Like that's a fucking bass tone, right?" Yeah. There. <laughs> Even though now I hear Snapcase, I'm like, "Wow, you just you yeah. really like the high end on that, huh?" Yeah. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't think about like actually having any bass in your bass. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think I was always really attracted to bass tones that were articulate that you could that you could hear in mm-hmm. the mix uh but didn't really know i wouldn't even have known how to articulate that idea back back then you know i just knew oh you can hear claus fluoride bass lines but i don't know why you know? yeah yeah totally i can hear joe lally bass lines but i don't know why and so um yeah I didn't know anything about gear i didn't know anything about how to eq a bass amp i didn't know anything except that I knew like new strings sounded cool so I was just trying to figure out how to make 
the bass strings sound like they're a fresh pack, even if I couldn't afford to buy them. So mm-hmm. did a lot of boiling of bass strings and all that stuff. And yeah, yeah, just over the years, slowly kind of figuring out things that worked, kind of playing into the sounds that your gear makes. You know, just sort of knowing what its what its range is and what sounds good. Mm-hmm. On on that particular setup, and you know, there's been a lot of evolution in what I've played on. I don't think I've ever really played more than a couple of records in a row on the same, same yeah. stuff. So it's yeah, I'm kind of the same way. It goes off what I've been like. I think honestly, I'm just like subconsciously influenced by what I've been listening to, like yeah. a lot. I've been like coming full circle to like a bunch of funk music because that's the first like bass stuff I ever played yeah and I noticed lately I've been like kind of almost damn near like eliminating distortion from my my bass and I just I just like it clean dude I don't know I've been like really thinking about how much I want just like like the T40 is great but it's those pickups are like so fucking powerful that I'm kind of just like man I really would love to have some like brighter like single coil like tone that i can maybe like put a little bit of distortion on yeah, there yeah. you know yeah, but like yeah a little bit of snarl but not like actual distortion or anything yeah like exactly yeah. exactly yeah yeah it's, it's it's definitely tough like and so much of it's you know you can find something that sounds really good but you have no idea how it's going to sit with you know the other instruments so you can have you know the best distorted sound or the best clean sound and then you know you'll find out it disappears in the mix once it's like matched up with a couple of guitar tracks i know i think that's a big part of it too because i've always been a like light fuzz light distortion guy and i think uh, subconsciously a lot of it's from like i want to hear it you know yeah yeah. i want it to cut through and i want and i and i just really like clean bass tone it's like really fucking pretty i think but yeah it's like uh i'm 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 a little scared when i'm just like because i don't want it to disappear because i like what i'm doing there yeah yeah Yeah, i'm totally i'm totally into that and one of the i I always really liked the way uh uh, rob wright from no means no space sounded Mm -hmm. and you know that was one of those things where as like a 14 year old kid it's like oh that's a bass guitar that i can actually hear in the mix and that's a bass guitar that seems to be like actually driving the music and like sort of orchestrating everything and so i think a lot of what I've tried to achieve tone-wise has been initially subconsciously, and the older I get, more deliberately trying to sort of mimic what that sounds like. That's cool. And his his set's weird because he plays through like like Mexican P basses into like a Marshall bass amp, you know, through yeah. I think like a four twelve or something. That's yeah, that's not crazy. like a standard bass yeah. setup, but yeah, it just sounds full and articulate and. Maybe a little distorted, but more just like punchy and. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the punch, dude. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I was just talking about this. Like, I notice, and this is totally subconscious, but like I noticed that like everything I've really been into my entire life, all comes back to these like, I want to say harsh, but I don't mean like harsh, like, bruh, like ugly. I mean like, uh, really, prominent like, like bass and like mids like frequencies so like all the when i was super into like noise and shit you know it was all the low end that like was like my favorite thing to like feel live you know and then yeah i mean definitely the same with metal uh i remember and like suffocation was one of my favorite 
death metal bands because their bass like really cut through, you know? Yeah. And I was super into that. And and Niles the same way. And then I would hear like, you know, I was super into like tech death when I was a kid. So like yeah, yeah. I would listen to an Arsis record and be like, okay, this band's cool, but like suffocation's cool. You know, like 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 Cryptopsy, you can hear their bass, you know? Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. it was just a thing like that for me. And it transferred into electronic music. I was like super into techno where I was just like when I if I go to a show, I'm just like can feel my chest getting like pounded by yeah, yeah. I've definitely come full circle to like, yeah, this is why I like playing bass and like tight ass rhythms that make you like like you can't help but move a little bit. I was like super into it. Yeah, but I mean funk is funk is something that I've tried to re incorporate into my life, which I it, it sounds fucking really terrible to say, in a, especially in a rock context, yeah. but like I get so bored listening to like a lot of heavy music and just hearing oh, how much it relies on like the the downbeat and it's like man I could, you throw something on the upbeat there dude like a, a little absolutely. backbeat goes a long way right? yeah like, absolutely like just hearing someone play nothing but like quarter notes or eighth notes it's it's so fucking boring and i don't think people realize how boring their music sounds because it's all just downstroke absolutely like i mean that can be powerful but like everything in moderation you know you just throw something on the and you know on the pickup it yeah it like makes it so much more powerful and obviously like you know funk artists are all about the backbeat and dude they, they you know you listen to like a betty davis record and it's like man that's like so much heavier than so much metal just because it's like yeah it's just fucking mean Dude, like the grooves are so hard. Absolutely. I did this. I was just doing this thing. too. I, I've been listening to a lot of funk lately. And like, it's not even like full on funk, but someone posted about that band ESG. Have you ever listened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, I remember like, I really like that band. Like, I like that band a lot. And then I started listening to it. And like half of the shit I was listening to was just bass and drums. And like a girl sparsely singing and then like shakers in the background. And I was like they made this sound so tight in like 73 you yeah, know yeah, yeah. and i was like this is like and honestly like by i guess today's standards but today's standards of like 90s punk like this is punk as fuck like just yeah. like driving shit but they would yeah like you're saying they would like throw in a little extra because that was just like the time you know and nobody was scared to like have the guitars support the bass for like a, a whole song or, or yeah, shit yeah. like that I thought it was so fucking cool. And then, yeah, and then they weren't even, like, the crazy, like, slap artists. But it, you could just tell how, like, it led into that. And then they eventually evolved into, like, a lot more. And I was like, dude, this is so fucking cool, man. I mean, I've been listening to metal forever, dude. And it's just like, whew, yeah, there's, like, <laughs> there's a lot more for me to, like, be doing right now with my time than, like, listening to something that's like punishing you know (laughs) like besides the fact that i hear it fucking 30 days in a row yeah yeah, but yeah it's one of those things where it's just like dude the uh the world is like pretty vast dude and there's a lot more than this crushing like four four that you're like you're throwing at me right now yeah 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 which is cool but like you know no, I'm the same. I'm the same boat. It's like I, I wasn't like a metal person to begin with. You know, so many of my friends that I played music with or, you know, run in similar circles, musician-wise, it's like Metallica was like their their gateway. You know, mm-hmm. it's like from Metallica, then they kind of got into underground stuff. And for me, all that metal, 
everything metal related was really like punk was the gateway and then it's like oh like Sepultura they're they're kind of punk like Pantera like they kind of seem like a hardcore band yeah it's so, like <laughs> punk was like that was the entry point and then metal was like I don't know like I I never liked any of like the like classic metal stuff like the like the first self-identifying metal artists like all the new wave of British heavy metal stuff and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff I didn't like it like oh really yeah because that for me was like as a punk kid was like oh that's hair metal like I yeah I about hair metal yeah, I care yeah. about like minor threat and, yeah that's you know, tight the older I get the more it's like oh I understand why like fucking like Judas Priest is actually kind of awesome but totally that was like way more as an adult so it's like when people talk about like their fucking going back to their roots and like loving like I don't know like Megadeth or something it's like ah that wasn't my childhood my childhood was Dead Kennedys and shit that's like cool that. yeah I was kind of like I took a weird route to where I am too I was like super I like got an Nile record and was just like I only like heavy shit and then fucking took this back road to like what I don't know what it even was, dude. But I I took this weird back road like death metal into punk later, and I was just like, oh okay, like not everything has to be like the craziest riffs. And then I kind of like evolved into like there's a bu- there's a couple technical like me- metal bands that I like, and that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a lot for me to handle now. <laughs> I still get super excited when I hear like a new metal band, and I'm like, oh, I like this. Like, yeah, it's like. Finally, so much of it just sounds like, I don't know, so much of it just sounds like, like one dimensional, you know, where it's, it's like, oh, it's all one volume. It's all one, like one degree of extreme, you know, and there's nothing to like make one riff stand out from another riff. Totally. You hear something that's like dynamic or compelling. It's like, oh shit, finally, there's like, that's what I want to hear. It's very few and far between for me too. And now I have this like admittedly so like i just have this like almost bias where it'll be like super heavy and i'll just be like okay i just can't listen to this right now but have you heard that band ulcerate yeah dude that was one of the bands that i heard and i was just like whoa like this is like really dark but like super different than anything i've heard it was just like swelling guitars like panned super extreme yeah and i was like wow i really like this like not shreddy, but, like, still weirdly, like, technical. And then, like, a death metal drummer that was just, like, go time the entire time. Yeah. And I was like, how is that drummer, like, tying together these, like, waves of, like, kind of ambient guitars? I was super into it. I was like, man, I really like this band. That was, like, one of the few in, in a long time that I was like, I really fucking like this band. Well... Okay, besides all that stuff, there's there is something I'm super interested in that uh that is your writing. I'm like really into that. I like I've always been uh a big reader, whatever, but uh I've I've definitely like always had it in my life plan to like write a book. And um and you've done that more than once, which is so crazy to me. But what was uh what was like your just give me like a a little like were you always super interested in writing and uh was it like what was your path to like actually writing a fucking book which it seems like such a crazy monumental task to me uh it i guess it really started 
I kind of fell into it, really, to be honest. And it started because uh, it would have been almost 10 years ago. Uh, a friend of mine, an old coworker, was working for one of the big uh, weekly newspapers in Seattle. And he had gotten hired as a music editor. And they were looking for interns for the music department. And I was touring a lot. I didn't have any, I didn't have a job at the time. Uh, so it seemed like an internship was an easy way of occupying my time totally. uh, without having too much responsibility. So I you know, approached my friend about helping out around the offices and he's kind of like, well, we don't really, you don't really fit the bill. You're like 30. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, we need, we, need, we need a lackey, not like an old dude who's like older than half the people here. So, yeah. uh He's like, but, you know, we have a music blog, so if you want to occasionally write for the music blog, that'd be cool. So I started doing that, and that was kind of nice because, you know, that was probably 2008, I guess, mm-hmm. and it just felt like a lot of the focus in, uh, a lot of the focus in Seattle in terms of music around that time was, like, electronic stuff and sort of, like, twee indie stuff, mm-hmm. which is all... You know, it's fine, but I think it was a reaction against the 90s and how yeah. much Seattle was like a rock town. Like a pushback, like... Yeah, yeah, it was sort of like, well, you know, Seattle has like other kinds of music, too. Yeah. And so it was like yeah. all this focus on stuff that, you know, it was what it was. I was like, you know, there's there are still good, like, heavy bands. Totally. So I, I kind of filled that role for a while with the paper, just being the guy that wrote about, you know punk stuff and heavier indie stuff, darker indie stuff and metal and all that. And I did that for a couple of years and uh, yeah, it just kind of wound up being a good way of having some supplemental income and like staying, staying, you know, involved in the community and it was very easy to like slip into complacency and not like pay attention to what's going on around you so it was, it was nice to be have something that forced me to be engaged that is yeah that's really cool i think about that a lot like if i had a reason to go to all these shows yeah it would like help me get out a lot more yeah it was a good way to stay tapped in but at the same time it was like all this writing about like riffs it's like yeah. writing about riffs is really <laughs> fucking boring like, yeah <laughs> trying to describe why a riff is cool yeah that's so funny like if you read a lot of if you read you know like pitchfork or any sort of like big current uh music blog you realize how much emphasis they they put on like not on what a band sounds like but like any band that has like a good backstory or gimmick it's like people latch on to that shit and i think it's literally just because it's so much easier to write about like you know a band like fucked up where there's all these concepts it's like oh this you know this album's a concept album about this thing you know like that's so much easier to have a dialogue about that than it is to talk about like well it's a three chord hardcore band yeah like, try to imagine what that sounds like yeah yeah and so let me figure out how to describe that for the six millionth time yeah, yeah yeah without like saying something I've already said a million times so yeah so I, I kind of just started writing fiction on the side just to have an exercise in writing about something else and uh, and then it kind of became a thing where you know I was touring a lot and didn't have anything to do when I was home and when I'm on tour I feel very productive and I feel like I'm actually doing something but when I'm home and not 
doing anything, I feel like a total deadbeat. Totally. And so it was a, a way of feeling like I had a, a goal, you know, I had something I was working towards. It, it felt good to have like a discipline where it's like, here's the thing, like, see, here's a, yeah. here's a, a grandiose project, see if you can like see it through. Yeah. And so it kind of just became the big motivating force in my life, like to write a novel, just to at least feel like I had the discipline to do it. If maybe not necessarily the skill, but just like the willpower. Dude, yeah, which is like, like everything that's hard about writing a novel, I think sitting down and doing it every single day is, or, or the majority of your time is like, dude, so insane to me, the discipline aspect of it. Yeah, you know, it's, there's a couple things. I think one of the big things is, you know, that the creative part of your, your brain is, is something that has to be exercised. Absolutely. I wish back when I played in, in botch, someone had told me this because, you know, we would go on tour and then we'd come home and we wouldn't see each other for, you know, a month and then we'd try to like write a new song and it would suck and we'd feel defeated and then we wouldn't like practice again for two weeks and then we'd try and it would suck and it's like, we just felt like we were washed up and, you know, out of ideas and you know, now I look at it, it's like, man, Russian circles will go like a year and a half without writing a song. And, but we also know that like the first couple practices back aren't going to be productive. Like, yeah. You have to like, sometimes you just have to write garbage in mm-hmm. order to like come up with something cool. You just have to fucking do it, you know? And it's, you just have to know that not to have like a really dumb bro analogy, but like you don't go to a gym and try to bench press, you know, 200 pounds. Yeah. Like, you, it's so true. You have to like work yourself up to that. And it's the same thing. If you want to write like a good song, you don't like decide one day it's, you're gonna grab a guitar and write fucking Stairway to Heaven. Like you're, yeah. gonna, you're gonna write some fucking bad pop punk for a while before you like reach that point of sophistication. And that is like a, a really good analogy, and 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 it speaks to me too because I'm the same way, man. Especially when I started Fuel Agent, I was like, I'm diving into this, and it took me so long to even get like familiar with any of the equipment. Yeah, yeah. And then after I wrote that first demo, I was like, dude, I. I have to write another one now because I'll forget everything that I just learned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally true. That's a good analogy. Yeah, like I've, I've tried doing, writing music on my laptop and it's the same thing where it's like just learning the interface, you know, just learning the process is so fucking complicated. It's so hard, yeah. If you don't keep on top of it, then it's like you forget everything and nothing's intuitive anymore. And totally. It's, yeah, you just have to keep up at things. And that was the nice thing about writing was that I always had the paper where there was like a weekly assignment to do. Um, and so that alone was like enough of an engagement with writing that it made writing fiction a lot easier. And if I was struggling with one or the other, the fiction or the music writing, it's like I could work on the other one and that would help kickstart the other. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's kind of nice to be able to alternate between the two. Those yeah. kind of helped each other. Oh, I'm, sh- I'm sure it's really, I mean, it, I, th- I just think of like hemispheres of your brain that that interact like that are activated by you doing certain things, and I'm sure they're so closely related. I mean, just creating anything, I'm yeah. I'm sure. How long did it take you to write the was, novel? I think it was maybe three years. Interesting. And you know, there's a, you know, there's a lot of touring in there, and there's a lot of you know other you know work related writing assignments that would delay it, but. 
yeah it took it took a little bit of time and you know and i mean to me i'm like three years that's chill that yeah, sounds yeah, yeah. great yeah 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 so it was, it was nice and you know anytime you, you write something you know you're putting a little bit of yourself into it and it's kind of exciting to write this thing and then three years later you go back to the beginning of it and see where it started and like what you know being able to remember what your motivation was at that point in time and yeah there's definitely kind of a diaristic uh element to it where it's like fuck man i was a different person three years ago i that's the, i've thought about that like a many times dude like how i'll start you know the fountainhead and like 500 page later i'm just like dude how are you the same how are you in the same like mindset but also how do you have the same aim you know, yeah, of yeah. what you're trying to do. It's crazy to me. It's good. It's so crazy. But yeah, one, one of the things about the project too, that was really, I don't know, for me, it was really therapeutic was it was always something to think about when you're going to bed, you know, and I think it's very easy in our line of work to have those moments where you're like, what am I fucking doing, man? Like, Dude. how long am I going to, how long am I going to be in a band? Like, how long is this really going to last? Like, Am I going to oh all of a God. sudden be like 40 and like have to find a job and tell people I haven't had a full-time job in 15 years, you know, yeah. all that kind of shit. And it's like, that's super stressful. But if, instead of thinking about that, you're thinking, all right, what am I going to write about tomorrow? Like, where's the story going? What's the next thing? And you can start like outlining it in your head. And it was like this, I don't know, this easy way of diluting yourself from a, you know, existential crises where it's like, ah, well, as long as I'm working on something, I have that going for me and it's a good distraction from like real life shit that's yeah, dude. that'll keep you up at night. So. Which is like if you if you're in our life or like our line of work or whatever, I mean I just don't understand how people don't have that. Like a lot of the dudes in my band are just like, Yeah, this is sick. Like Carrie one time me and Carrie were talking and I can't remember who it was, but we like saw this article about like so-and-so's band like 35 years like 35 year anniversary as a band and i was like i like scoffed i was like Pfft. and carrie looked at me and he's like what like i i don't see any reason that we can't do that and i was just like dude i feel quite the opposite that's yeah. insane to be in a band for that long to be in a I, I just don't even know if i can handle it mentally yeah i mean if it works that's awesome you know? it's so it's like, yeah it's cool you know but you know for so long it was there's you know the model of like sonic youth where it's like well sonic youth's still going strong and then now it's like oh sonic youth is gone fuck <laughs> yeah if they couldn't make it work yeah then like <laughs> i guess they're still the melvins but you know even the melvins it's like basically Buzz and then, you know, Dale, who I guess is second in command and then a rotating cast of characters. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's totally. not a lot of bands that are able to work hard consistently and have prolonged, you know, multi decade careers. So it's. Totally. You know, I, I had friends on major labels that were like, yep, this is it. You know, never having to get a job again. And it's like, yeah. 10 years later, it's like, didn't work out for you, man. No, like, <laughs> I know. It rarely does, dude. You, you, you had like five years where you didn't have a job, but... Yeah. Know. I mean, I think about it constantly, man. Like, it's cool that our band... Uh, this is another thing. Like, I always wanted to pay my rent for music and, like, be able to live off of it. And then one thing I didn't anticipate was, like, once that starts happening, 
I it instantly like opened the door for like all these other anxieties. Like, okay, so now I'm kind of like dependent on this band. It's a it's a band. Yeah, yeah. So like our next record, if nobody likes it, like what do I do? Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's kind of like, man, I I have to figure, and that's why I don't I I don't mean to like uh, seem ungrateful or anything, but I would get so annoyed when everybody's like, "You made it, bro. You made it." Like, you're doing what you, like, yeah, but, like, or, or people that are like, I'm jealous, dude. I'm jealous. I would give anything to be in your position. Like, I'm sure, man, but there's, like, a million, th- A, I'm not, A, I'm, like, broke right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, don't worry about that. But, like, B, it's, like, dude, it opens up all this crazy shit. Like, okay, God, I hope this is, like, this is, this continues, you know. I hope there's, like, longevity in this equation, you know. Um, and not even just like our band, just like being creative in general. Cause it's like, the other question is like, can I do that? Like, I'm sure I, I'm capable of working at any job, but it's like, uh, am I capable of like being happy doing that? And like, yeah, yeah. oof, it's a scary thought. Yeah. Well, there, yeah. There's like this, uh, man, there's this part in, uh, infinite jest or like, David Foster Wallace is talking about, you know, this uh, this school for uh, gifted tennis players and how this you know journalist wants to interview one of the students about his tennis career and, and the dean is like you know we don't allow that because you know the first time a student sees their name in a magazine they're elated but after that they just fear the day that their names won't be in magazines yeah anymore. and that absolutely and that's like a very real thing where it's like oh like it's great when you think you've attained something but you don't like it's not like you've arrived there and you just stay there you have yeah to, absolutely like, it's crazy all the time and then yeah like, and it doesn't it's not like it gets easier like i'm sure certain in certain aspects uh you know you maybe you have more connections or you have like you just know more people but dude it's like you're everything you you you, you have to make quality you know and yeah. just to because also, once you get to a certain level, people want you to fail, you know, which is like a really strange thing to have to deal with, you yeah. know. Yeah, there's definitely like a, yeah, brutal reality to it. You know, like, you know, when like Kurt Cobain, you know, killed himself and left this note about like, I didn't want to, I didn't want this and everyone, and, you know, a lot of people were kind of cynical, like, you didn't want to be like rich and famous, like what's your, yeah. what's your problem? But I mean, I remember when... I first like actually made a comfortable living playing music, having this weird, yeah, like this struggle with it because it's like, well, I've, this is I guess what I was supposed to want, but I'm come home from tour and I don't have anything to do. Dude, and, absolutely. Like man. you go through these like crazy extremes of being super busy and like having you know like a lot of affirmation. Mm-hmm. You get like tons of positive feedback, and then you go home and nothing happens and you're just like really bored and you know like this should not that this is like any like novel revelation like people talk about this all the time yeah it becomes a very real thing where it's it's very easy to quickly become very jaded to being like a career musician where you're like oh this this shit isn't what it's cracked up to be like this is it definitely changes your perspective on the creative process yeah I've definitely thought about the 
this whole like um, thing that people don't really think about, but like I've I've like kind of compared the two lives where you're just you're kind of in this set path and you're working at a job and you're looking to just like advance. And uh, it seems like in that life, you're chasing this like this hope of like one day I'm not going to have to do this anymore. One day I'll save up enough money and I'm going to or 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 I'll make it big of like a business or something. But I noticed once that I started like making uh, a living, I guess you could say off music, it was more like I'm really chasing just like being okay. Like I'm not thinking that metal or deaf heaven or like a weird like electronic project is going to get me rich and like comfortable. I'm chasing just like sustaining this, you know, and and it's it's a it's a whole life of uncertainty that is just like for some people like I feel like I'm one of those people like the uncertainty is just like it like gives me anxiety like all the time all the time yeah I mean you know there's no shortage of moments where I'm like when are we going on tour I have to fucking go on tour because I am like I know out of fucking money you know I know (laughs) you know but. The way I look at it, it's you, you have to love the process. You have to love being exactly. In a band. You have to like making music. You have to like touring, and I think you just have to stay busy, you know. And like I think what you're doing is smart, where you're, you're staying engaged in a number of different ways, and it's not, you know, you're not the Melvins, where it's like, I guess we'll just tour constantly. And yeah. Like hope that. That sounds so gnarly. Yeah, and just hope that people will just keep coming out. Like I yeah. think it's better to like have multiple creative outlets totally have something where if one thing's you know not working out if one person's not available if one thing's just you're not feeling something you're not like desperate and bored yeah. and broke yeah. yeah i also think about like the correlation what you're talking about like i can genuinely honestly like from my heart say that being famous sounds fucking awful to me. Oh yeah, it's terrible. It sounds so crazy. Like <laughs> I'll I don't know. It's 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 really cool to have like appreciation for your art and all that stuff, but like not being able to like go out and do do whatever you want just sounds so intense to me. Yeah, and yeah. like ooh, I don't know. No, it's I mean you guys probably have an even more like real idea of like how much like people can despise success, you know. Oh, <laughs> like, I know like I know you guys, like you know, every anyone that's fucking a public figure has haters, but you know, I know like you you have especially like vocal fucking true black metal dudes who are fucking yeah. irate that you have a pink album, you know. It's yeah, like, yeah, it's so funny. In some ways, it's probably easy to be dismissive of it because it's like, yeah, dude, that's the whole point. <laughs> I mean, know? honestly, that is something that really helped me out a lot was like when I came on board was right before Sunbather came out and I'd never thought about that aspect of like any sort of success and by success I obviously don't mean like being rich and whatever but anything at all and that really taught me like oh okay like I feel like I had this really cool uh outsider's look on it like because I wasn't on Sunbather they finished I came on right when they finished recording and I was like, okay, so like I'm in this band, but they're getting all the hate. 
that's cool. And it like transitioned me into like being able to deal with that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then so now it helped me a lot because when I started wanting to make like techno, I my first thought was like, well, I'm some like like metal guy that's going to come in here and like totally fuck this up, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, and, and every like cyber, like, you know, whatever, like nerd is going to like talk shit about me. And then I was just like, oh yeah, people already talk shit about it. It's like totally fine. Yeah. That's, I think I think it's kind of weird with like the current contemporary culture that we live in is it, when I started playing music, you know, there's still people that would send letters, you know, you'd have to put a PO box address on your mm -hmm. records that people wanted to like mail you. They could, because if someone liked your band, they didn't like hit you up on Facebook or anything like that. Yeah. They like mailed you a letter. Yeah. Somewhere in this apartment, I have a letter from Steve Brodsky. Damn, from, that's like, cool. 97 where it's like, Oh, here's a picture of your show. Like I played a band called cave in. We're working with this label Hydrahead. You should check it out. Damn. That's sick. Yeah. And, it's like, and now that's so funny. And like now it, just came full circle yeah yeah totally and like you know we like became friends from that but uh you know nowadays it's like that kind of contact has been replaced by like facebook mm -hmm. i guess i guess that's how you contact a band that you like now and i don't fucking ever ever read anything i did that on facebook i fucking avoid that shit because i don't want to it's too easy so like yeah it's just as easy for fucking haters or trolls to fucking totally or people that just like think that you owe them something yeah. because they like your band or, and it's like I don't want to fucking read that shit so I, it's very easy to reach a point where you have zero contact mm -hmm. with people that appreciate what you do yeah. and you're closed off from it yeah and a, a thing that I noticed too that's like super weird to me it, it's more and I think we experience it a lot is like now that it's like Facebook and Twitter and all this shit um, it's less of like I think I and I could be wrong, but like I think it's less of like I don't like this band. I'm gonna tell them. I'm gonna tell the band themselves that I don't like this. Like like I don't like you guys. But I think it's more nowadays because of the nature of Facebook and Twitter. It's more like I don't like this band, and I want everybody that follows me to know that I don't like this. Yeah, band. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's not like I care about saying like, Hey Steven, like your bass playing fucking sucks. It's like, <laughs> I want everybody in this like little world. Cause yeah, on Twitter, you create your own world. Like my, which is kind of what I like about it. Like my Twitter is only like news, politics, conspiracy and football, you yeah, know, yeah. that's it. And like a little bit of music, yeah. but like, that's what it is. And it's like this weird, like self, validate or not even like self it's like this weird validation in this like scene that you created online and it's like look dude like everyone look like i don't fuck with this band yeah, and yeah. it's it's very strange to me it's a very strange thing yeah when it seems like the letters was like okay am i really gonna go out of my way to to write down this letter saying hey uh your band fucking sucks i'm gonna put <laughs> it in this email like in this envelope i'm gonna walk to the post office and then mail it and nobody's going to know that I don't like you except for you guys. Yeah, yeah you know? exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's like, man, fucking internet, dude. It's so weird, dude. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's toxic, man. Yeah, it really is. And, and, and the other weird like, thing that I've noticed, this lack of um, true like, connection. Like, so like, I've always thought the weird thing about Twitter was like conversations are like, guided by these like, s like, subconscious like facial expressions and if i say like hey brian like 
your bass playing tonight and then i like sense a little bit of like anything you know and and in your environment it guides the conversation along but on online that literally removes every everything out of that so it's just this like weirdly like unbiased like opinion and and the other thing about the internet is it makes everybody think that their opinion is like really worth telling somebody you know and it's like dude i'm not gonna go up to like a giant band and be like hey you guys fucking suck because like i'm stephen lee clark like doesn't really matter you know what i'm saying (laughs) and it's so it's it's really mind-blowing to me and it really makes me think about like wow the people that grew up with the internet like in their like their entire life really have this like different thought process on everything than I do yeah, or yeah. you know and it's really strange and pretty interesting yeah I mean I'm always just like baffled by people that have like such strong hate for any band you know? it's true I, I'm, this is gonna be dated by the time this podcast comes out but like like this last weekend, it's like everyone on Facebook is posting these like band I like, band I dislike. Oh, I know. Band, and it's like, <laughs> and I'll, I'll be totally honest, I, I'm totally enjoy reading those just because I think it's fascinating to see what people want to put out there. I in know. Terms of that stuff. I know. That's like band I hate. Like, I, I, I don't, what is that? What do you mean? Like, I, I know. I wouldn't even know like where to start with that. Like what, what? What band do I hate? I don't think I hate any bands. Yeah, like, because I don't listen to those bands. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like that's so ubiquitous in my life. Where it's like, oh, if I have to hear one more fucking <laughs> Coldplay song, it's like I don't fucking listen to Coldplay. Yeah, Coldplay's totally. not like yeah in my life. If yeah. I'm watching like the Super Bowl, like I wouldn't have heard Coldplay in the last yeah fucking five years. So like, why do you care? Yeah, you know? it's so true. It's so true. And and, and yeah, it's uh, it's just. It's a, it's just like I said, I think it's more, it's just, I, well, I mean, I guess that that's the nature of that sort of post is like, okay, this is me. I'm telling everybody that follows me. I actually, it's funny you bring that up. I made like a little parody thing of that on Facebook where I was just like, oh yeah, Madden. football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Football's the answer to everything. Yeah. So yeah, that's my favorite band. <laughs> well, I do think that things have improved from like 10 years ago though, man, because I, I fucking hated the climate of like the last decade, whatever it is, like zeros or however you want the odds, however you mm-hmm. pronounce it. But like, it felt like so much of that decade was about cynicism and like negating things and like irony and like identifying yourself by what you hated. You know? Yeah. Oh like, man. I, like I fucking hated reading anything <laughs> Yeah. in terms yeah. of music in that decade. Cause it was like, that buddy head vice culture where it's like like mocking everything and trying to establish how you were somehow better than it in your ability to like totally like mock it and it's like dude you just sound like someone that has no joy in your life i know like, i know and why do you why do you want to sit around and fixate on things that you hate like, yeah what's what's that and tell everybody yeah. you know are you and, and it's weird because it's i'm wondering like are you looking for like a connection with another person like through something you guys dislike that much you yeah, know because yeah. there's a million things that you can like too yeah, yeah. it's like what what kind of it, 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 i don't know like i'm so much more into like the idea that like if you don't like something it's because you don't get it yeah and that the fact that you don't get it means you're not getting any joy out of it so that's just like a little less joy you get out of your own life <laughs> yeah. so like why don't you try to fucking decipher it yeah yeah totally. and if you decide that like it's 
fucking catering to some part of your psyche that you don't care for, then yeah, like you don't have to fucking listen to it. Yeah, so. absolutely. It's so easy. I've always said that too. When it comes to like, you don't have to listen to it. Like it's super easy to not do something because you're just not doing it. So it's like really easy for you to not listen to that band it's as easier, opposed to like, yeah, it's easier now than ever. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's like, what, oh, you, you, that song came on the radio? You're listening to the radio? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Radio. Like, why are you still listening to the radio? Yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. And it's it's a really good. Some, I struggle with that in my life. Not like the hating on certain things, but it's just like in my internal like dialogue, it's just like, why do I dislike so many things? And why can't I just like focus more on things that I do like, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people struggle with that. It's, it's funny. Well, yeah, like, what's, uh, what's coming up in the future for you? Like, I know you got so much shit going on. Like, is there any, like, new projects or, or tours or shows? What's going on with you? Uh, well, I leave, yeah, the day after tomorrow for a Sumac tour. And then that immediately transitions into a Russian Circles tour. And then... Yeah, basically the next four months are just alternating tours. Insane. Which is yeah. Which so I'll be busy, but that's that's exciting. And then uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of touring next year for Russian Circles because the new album's out. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that. Uh, outside of that, there's uh, a book I've been trying to write on this band, Daughters. Oh yeah, that's fucking tight. That may or may not ever come out. Not really sure right now. There was a, a draft that was done, and then it was sent to the band and to the people that were putting it out. And the people that were putting it out were really excited, and the, but the band was not super excited about it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's sort of maybe in the process of getting reworked. We have to wait and see. Is it common practice to like for? a book written about a band to be sent to the band prior to publishing? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're friends of mine. And so I didn't want it to be like an unauthorized biography, yeah. but you know, they were very, uh, very straight up. And they're like, eh, we we're not like, this is exposing a lot of things that we're not comfortable with. So okay. like you can, you can, you can definitely publish it, but we don't know if we want to like, be a part of <laughs> yeah yeah we don't yeah. want necessarily know if we want our stamp of approval on it yeah uh which i totally understand i mean the whole, absolutely yeah my whole obsession with that band was that you know they were for all the bands out there that like try to peddle this like really gnarly disgusting side of humanity you know you wind up hanging out with them and you realize that they're just like normal suburban who want to have this like fantasy outlet but with daughters like you watch how they operate you sit down with them you're like oh whoa you are like this is this isn't like a fantasy world for you like yeah you've like lived through some like fucked up shit yeah and you still live through fucked up shit and this is just like this is just your reality yeah just like your outlet for it it's yeah it's cool i think like God, that image of like someone that's fucked up. I know, I know people that just like think this. They like that image is so like romanticized that they try to like create it for themselves. And it's like, dude, you know what's cool? Like not being like 
hooked on me. dope. Yeah, <laughs> or like, yeah, not being like a junkie that's like super fucked up. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, you know, those dudes have all gotten much more stable and I think happy and healthy. But I think it's just a little gnarly to then read something where it's like, oh yeah, that's. I'm definitely putting it out there in the world that I like did some like gross shit in yeah time, so. yeah yeah I think, yeah I think they're struggling with that it might come out one day it might not i mean it speaks to like volumes about like them being like yeah i mean you can publish it we're just don't want to <laughs> you know still that's like super cool yeah. i would question man that like three years of like crazy raging and touring that i did before i like stopped doing all that I would be like, man, do you have to do this, dude? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to forget this right now. I mean, I was, yeah, I was already trying to put, like, a little bit of a filter on it where it's like, people don't need to know about that. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. That's not even, like, a good story. That's just sad. You know? Yeah. So it wasn't like, I, I wasn't trying to do, like, some crazy expose, but, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, they were just a gnarly band, you know. We'll see what happens. It, it'd be cool if that came out, but, you know, I'm not stressing about it too hard. Yeah. I have another book I'm working on, another novel that will probably be another year or two in the in the works. But yeah, there's stuff going on. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, man. Well, I'm really excited. I'm super happy that you like took the time to sit down with me. I really appreciate it. Dude, I know you got a fucking million things, especially two days before you leave again. <laughs> I really appreciate it, dude. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, like I'm super excited about the new Russian circles. I'm super excited to see Sumac. Are you guys coming through here at all? It's an yeah, East Coast thing, you said? We're playing with each other with you guys in uh, Atlanta. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. dude. Um, yeah, that's tight. So I'll see you then and uh Brian Cook, thank you so much for coming on here. I really appreciate it. It's like nice to get I like to get like different angles of stuff and it's like of like kind of our world and it's cool to have like a bunch of different angles in like one person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's really cool. So yeah. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon, dude. Boom. Well, that was Brian Cook. I really appreciate him being on here. Uh, and I also appreciate you guys dealing with some of the curveballs that were thrown i'm getting new mics so don't worry about the audio it's gonna get better try to get a noise gate for things like i don't know a dog barking outside the window uh but you know what like we say sometimes life throws you a curveball and it's all about how you take it do you take a boneyard do you strike out it's up to you uh and i think we took a boneyard right um so yeah i really appreciate uh brian i really appreciate you guys speaking of appreciation producers so today's producers are muhammad abbasi we talked about him earlier right atlanta georgia thanks a lot dog um the wonderful the beautiful nate Berger, love nate uh sacramento california and javon kellogg who is absolutely killing it right uh so we only have three producers today let's go guys let's do this so appreciate them uh, appreciate you guys and so I'm going to leave you with Mota off of the new Russian Circles album. Entire album is amazing. Uh, and it's called Guidance. So this is Mota. Thanks. Shouts. Love you from SLC and the Red Pill. Peace.